Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. All right, you guys. I don't know about you, but sometimes talking about money stresses me out. <laughs> it's, it's something I'm still, it's a skill I'm still learning and something I'm perfecting. Um, I don't know if you ever fully figured all out, but I think it really helps to listen to people who know what they're doing. So with that said, I'm super excited because on today's episode, Rachel Cruz is joining us as a New York Times bestselling author, host of the Rachel Cruz Show and host of the Rachel Cruz Show podcast. Rachel helps people learn the proper ways to handle money and stay out of debt. She's authored three bestselling books, including Love Your Life, Not Theirs, and Smart Money, Smart Kids, which she co-wrote with her father, Dave Ramsey. So if that's not enough to convince you that Rachel knows what she's talking about and is going to offer us a ton of awesome advice, insight, tips, and also a ton of relatability, I loved getting to talk with Rachel. And I can't wait for you to hear this interview and this conversation because I honestly feel like she's just one of us. I mean, this girl knows what she's doing with money, but she also, you know, doesn't love budgeting and she loves pizza. And I'm like, we could be friends. So I think you're going to love her just as much as I do. And I also think you're going to get so much value out of this. So really listen in. Here's my conversation with Rachel Cruz. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. you guys. I am so excited for you to hear from Rachel. She has some incredible advice, um, some awesome insight, and even some really practical tips and takeaways for us when it comes to saving money, how, why, when to start, because I know that can sometimes feel like such a mountain to climb. Rachel, thanks so much for being on the show. It's so fun to have you here. Yes, Jordan. Thanks for having me on. I so appreciate it. Absolutely. This is this is a treat on my part. I feel like it's such a privilege. So, you know, before we even <laughs> dive into everything, I can't wait for you to share. Would you mind just sharing with everyone why are you passionate about what you do um, and where was that born? Like, can you just tell me a little of that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I probably started early on in my life. I um, grew up as Dave Ramsey's daughter, so having some of that influence in my life was was huge. My parents were just really intentional with teaching us how money works, and I learned that that was such a gift, and that was uh, a pretty weird thing because most people, their parents, don't teach them about money. Mm-hmm. And so as I was growing up and I you know, was in high school and college, I just realized, gosh, they've, been given, they've given me such this gift to handle this part of my life so well uh, with such knowledge at my age that I was like, God, I 
I want to help people mm-hmm. in this area of their lives. And around that same time, I started actually speaking with my dad at his events when I was 15 years old is when I started. Wow. And I learned really early on that I just loved public speaking. Like I enjoyed it. It was fun for me. And I realized that was kind of weird too. Most yeah. people hate public speaking. And so I, I had that early and I think that God totally revealed that part to me early in my life. And I, I probably wouldn't have imagined it like that. I probably wouldn't have said that at 15, but mm. looking back in my story, I'm like, that was totally a door that he opened early on. And it was when I graduated high school and I went to college, I went to the University of Tennessee. And that's when I realized more than ever the need for this message. You know, I was talking to my own friends about money. I was talking to peers. I was just meeting. And, and it was just this uh, c- constant conversation of, Oh yeah, I'll just, you know, get a credit card, no big deal. Oh yeah, yeah, I have student loans, it's, it's okay. You know, I can, I can spend all this great money and it's, it seems like it's free money, but it's from a credit card. Like I was mm-hmm. hearing all of these conversations around debt and money and I remember thinking like, no, no, that's mm-hmm. not what you need to be doing. No, like there's so many things right now in your life you could be doing differently to help you and these mistakes you're making right now, like it's going to follow you for years and some people for decades. And so I just really, I feel like God kind of gave me that light bulb moment mm-hmm. in college of of the message specifically. And so when I graduated from college is when I realized, okay, I could take this love for speaking and this message. And at, the, and at that time, you know, my heart was really kind of for the next generation, for high school students and college students and getting this information to them early. So that's where I started. I mean, I did so many high school assemblies and youth camps yeah. and like all that. And now that I'm married uh, for over nine years, we have two little girls. Hmm. So now my, my message has kind of shifted with me now being a mom and a wife and a working mom and all that stuff um, to a little bit of an older audience, if you will, um, less you know, high school and college, but, um, but gosh, that, that passion is still in me. So no matter what age people are learning about money and understanding how money works is crucial. And actually the earlier you learn it, the better off you're going to be. I, yeah, 100%, 100% agree. And I think sometimes, and I don't know, maybe you can speak into this a little bit more because you've worked with so many different people and you've had the opportunity to speak on this subject for so many years and be with the Ramsey, you know, organization. And so, um, my question would be, do you think sometimes when, you know, at least when you were working with high school women or high school men, high school, college age, even post-grad, that kind of like young age group, did you feel at sometimes it seemed like it wasn't a priority because it seemed like that's what I'll do when I'm a dad or I'll figure that when I'm a grown up, quote unquote, you know, it almost seems like not quite something. At least I kind of felt that way when I was a little bit younger, like, okay, I just yeah. want to do what's like good enough, but you know, it just almost was a little right. bit overwhelming. Totally. Oh no, I, I think totally. Uh, especially, especially high school students, right? Cause mm-hmm. I mean, if they're making money, it's not a ton. It's from like a part-time job. Right. College, it's a little bit more serious, uh, you know, cause the thought of, oh wow, I'm going to be entering the real world soon. Mm-hmm. Like, what is this going to look like? But some people, their parents still, you know, fund their college life, which is totally fine. I'm not, I'm not against that by any means, but you know, there's still not full responsibility. And I think a lot of people get this kind of whiplash when they mm-hmm. get their first real-time jobs, right? Yeah. And they're, like, paying taxes. Maybe they bought a house or a condo, and they have to pay property tax. And, mm-hmm. like, all the real adult stuff starts. And then I think it does magnify. I think, you know, when you take these steps in life, you know, marriage kind of magnifies it. Kids magnifies it. So I think, you know, as it goes on, I think people feel that 
that dial for it getting more and more serious increases. Mm -hmm. Uh, But gosh, I want that need and I want people to see the seriousness of it early on. Because if you can take this subject seriously at 18, 19, you know, even through your 20s, -hmm. you're going to be off like financially, statistically speaking, mathematically speaking, in a incredible place because mm-hmm. time is on your side. And so I almost wish people felt more serious about the subject early on, uh, but a lot of them don't, just like you're saying, because I think the level of responsibility isn't fully there yet. Uh, yes, I, I've seen that a lot, and I even experienced it a little bit. And I remember, at least in my personal life, as a personal example, I remember when I was trying to decide, you know, where am I going to go to college? And where I had mm-hmm. originally preferred to go to college, you know, I looked at what the bill was going to be, and I looked at, you know, my parents said this, this is how much will help you with, but they wanted me to have some responsibility with what I'd have to, what my end of the bargain was going to have to be. And so they said, this is the max we'll give you every year. From there, it's on you. So if you want to, you know, try to get scholarships, go for that. If you want to pull out loans, go for that. If you want to try to work your way and make it happen, like that's on you. And I kind of at the time was like, what? Like, you're not going to do all of it, you know? Um, Because that can seem like, holy cow. But I'm so glad that they had that. And so it really was so interesting because I thought this is where I thought I was going to go. And I actually was, I remember, I remember this day so clearly, even though it was a while ago, I remember sitting at a computer with my mom and I was about to commit to that university that I thought I was going to go to because I liked it. It felt close to home. It felt like it was kind of, I just liked it. You know, I had more experience there. I'd been there visiting, all of that. But there was something in me that was like, it's just not Right. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to hold off a week or so because I just feel like I would literally have my, like my little cursor over the button to hit commit, you know? Um, and in that week I ended up getting from the rival school, ironically, um, I ended up getting like a huge scholarship opportunity that would have more than made up for my portion. And so my dad laid it out for me and he's like, he's like, okay, so this is what you're going to be dealing with plus interest when you graduate in four years and you're going to be backing yourself out of that. Or this is where you'll graduate debt-free because this scholarship would hold up your end of the bargain. And suddenly it clicked for me, like the power of graduating without debt, because I just thought that was what you always must do. But when I had that opportunity, it's not, I know not everyone gets that opportunity, but my point was, in that, I it like suddenly a light bulb went off for my eighteen year old brain, you know, and I was like, oh, you know, yes. for the first time I saw it black well, and white next and what to you each did, other. Yeah, and one thing she did that is so smart that people don't is they give themselves choices. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people lock themselves into this is the school I have to go to, or later mm-hmm. in life, like this is this is the house I have to buy, mm-hmm. and you make really bad financial decisions when you don't have options and choices. And so the right. fact that you even your mind was even open to other options. And that, you know what I mean? Like, that saves you so, so oh, much yeah. money. Like, literally tens of thousands of dollars Literally. For you. So, like, my husband and I, wise. we were, like, how both of us were fortunate enough to graduate without college debt. And so being in that position with him having an athletic scholarship, me having an academic scholarship, and looking like we didn't even realize till we graduated and, like, talked with friends, you know, how much money we were actually yeah. saving and how much how ahead we actually were, which was a huge blessing. And I'm it just it that's why I was like, I, I wanna get Rachel on, I wanna talk about debt and saving and really like paint this picture because I now have full understanding, even more so than I did that day when I was 18. Like, okay, I guess I'll go to this university because I'll graduate without debt. You know, and then I ended up loving it. It was the best experience <laughs> of my life. Um, you know, and I think sometimes we can deem things less than and put ourselves into financial pickles because we think, oh, well, I, you know, this looks more prestigious or this is better or this is that. And it's like, but what's the most practical and like long-term smart option, you know? So um, yes. just to echo what you're saying, absolutely. 
And with that said, you know, I know there are a lot of people listening that probably still do have college debt. Um, With that, I would love if you could share a little bit on if someone is in that place, whether they just graduated or they've been out for a few years, or maybe even if they're still finishing up school and they're seeing this debt rack up or they've been trying to get out of it, would you have any advice on where really is the best place to start paying that off and to do it most effectively? Yes. So when you look at debt, this whole subject, you have to get out of the cycle that is normal. Because if you get complacent, you're going to be talking to friends just like you did, and you're going to start to have this emotion of, oh, well, everyone has student loans, so right. it's, you know, it's no big deal. Everyone has this, it's no big deal. And you're going to look up, and Sally Mae has been a part of your life for 15 years because you've never mm-hmm. decided to be intentional and get rid of her, right, mm-hmm. or your student loan, or your car loan, or your credit card debt, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so that's the first thing with debt is that you have to get mad. You have to get mad at your situation, and you have to realize, I'm sick and tired of my hard-earned money going towards these payments. Like, mm-hmm. I have got to get out of this, because your largest wealth-building tool is your income. Mm-hmm. But for so many people, their income comes in, and then it goes right back out to payments, to mm-hmm. all types of debt. Mm-hmm. And so I want people to get into a place where you're like, you know what? Yes, student loan debt, that is normal. Almost nine out of ten of your friends probably have it. But you have to look and say, you know what, I'm not going to be normal because normal's broke. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be different and I'm going to be weird. And so what am I going to do? So you're going to start working your way out of debt. So I always tell people to first get a $1,000 emergency fund in the bank. So this is like your starter emergency fund. Save that up. For some of you listening, you're like, oh, yeah, I can do that in two weeks. Some of you are like, $1,000? I've never seen $1,000. So start working towards it. Get that $1,000 first because Mm -hmm. I want you to have this buffer Mm -hmm. between you and life because after you get $1,000, then your entire life obsession is going to be getting rid of this debt. Mm -hmm. And the most effective way to pay it off, actually it's smallest to largest, regardless of the interest rate, pay minimum payments on everything and pay off the smallest debt first. Mm -hmm. And so for people out there listening, maybe it's a $400 credit card bill, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, if that's it, then put that first, whatever is first, whatever is the smallest, pay that off. And for student loans specifically, yeah, a lot of people talk about consolidation and all of that, which you can do, that consolidation with student loans specifically. You only can do it once. Mm-hmm. So if you decide to consolidate your student loans, make sure the interest rate obviously is lower than what you've been paying and make sure you're not going to be paying more in interest. So do some math and see if this is wise. But I almost, Jordan, like people having their student loans separate because I want you to get these wins. Like if you have yeah. $40,000 of student loans, a $40,000 mountain, seems a whole lot bigger than a $5,000 little hill and then maybe a $10,000, you know. So having them broken up and getting these quick wins as you're paying off is so incredibly helpful. People do not account for the human spirit and the human activity of winning. Like when you start yeah. winning, like maybe you're on a diet, right? Yep. And, you, and you lose some weight that first week. You're like, oh, well, I can do this. Or yes. you're training for a marathon and you're like, oh, well, I just ran two miles. I never thought I could do that. Like whatever you, those quick wins are, that's what helps you stay motivated and the sacrifice that you're making is worth it. So again, smallest to largest amount, pay it off. And it's going to take effort depending on, if you're making an income now, you know, you, you may have a bigger shovel, if you will, to help fill in that hole. Uh, some people's hole is, you know, way deeper than others, uh, depending on how much debt you have. But no matter what, mm-hmm. keep keep chipping away at it because it's amazing when you don't have debt. Mm-hmm. You suddenly have choices in your life. You have freedom. You get to make decisions on your own life, not based on these bills you have to pay. You get to take a different job. You may get to follow this passion you've always wanted to, mm-hmm. to have. 
Uh, you know, you get to do so many things in life that are not options for you when you're stuck paying bills month in and month out. That's good. That's really good. And I just want to offer an idea too, and you can feel free to speak into this because tell me, no, Jay, stop that. You know, tell me if it's wrong. But I will say, I know that at least kind of being in this space, a lot of my peers are a few years out of college. They're in their twenties. They're in their early thirties, kind of navigating those first, you know, five years, eight years of adulting, I would say. And, um, one thing yeah. that I found is a lot of people have felt like, you know, I want to put $1,000 away, but I'm honestly living paycheck to paycheck. And so nice thought, but I, you know, there's that idea of like, I can't. And some for, for some, it's totally legit. Like you are doing everything you can to be as smart about what you're doing and where you're putting your money. And it's still just really difficult. Um, one thing I would say is remember, we have the internet and we have so many more opportunities that are little small side things available. I mean, even something as simple as going to a garage sale, getting something and refurbishing it on your weekend as, Plus, it's like a fun activity and turning around and selling it for twice what you bought it. Great. Now you've made a hundred bucks and that can go and you've just put one tenth of what you need to put away. And, you know, I think totally, yeah. there's little creative ways to do that, like incrementally. And like you said, those small wins. Hey, I'm a, I'm one tenth of the way there. Sister, give yourself a star, a gold star on your planner for like this week. I made one tenth of the way there. Next week, I'm going to do the same thing until I get to a thousand, you know. Um, and then that's motivation to keep going. Just like you said, tracking progress, at least I found in any goal that I have, whether that's, you know, paying off credit card debt or, you know, which we've now tried to completely get rid of. But it's anyways, my like any goal, you know, trying to gain a little bit of muscle or um, work out more consistently or whatever has always been so much more effective when I can see my progress. Because I don't know about like you, Rachel, but I have found that if I set out to do something and it's kind of a long process, I'm really excited in the beginning and I'm all gung-ho about it and I'm, you know, doing what I need to do. And then in the middle is where I kind of like taper off. Would you agree? Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because, again, those first wins that you're getting, you're like, oh, wow, it's it's happening. There's like such positivity. And then it kind of starts to become routine yeah. and your norm. You're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is life. This is life. So, yeah, charging forward is huge. And like you said, tracking your progress. And, yeah. and, and to remember that this is short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. Yeah. Like, you don't have to live this way for your entire life. Like, you're going to be doing it for two, maybe three years, depending on, you know, again, how much debt you have. But sacrificing your lifestyle, cutting things out of your budget, mm-hmm. making extra money, just like you said, or even, like, driving for Uber, like, doing yep. like doing something to earn some extra money, again, for a short period of time. And I would say, you know, the, whatever season you're in, there's something creative, something you could be doing to be earning extra money and looking at your budget overall and say, we're going to be cutting. And that means maybe not going on vacation with your friends. Maybe mm-hmm. that means, you know, that that Less one you know, 18th <laughs> wedding that you're asked about. Like, yeah, maybe yeah. you have to repurpose a bridesmaid's dress. Like, whatever right. it is. Yep. But look and say, okay, I am going to be so, so focused on this. Because, again, the end result is so much greater. Mm-hmm. The amount of money you can save, the amount of money you get to give, the mm-hmm. amount of money you get to uh, spend and enjoy, suddenly it's all up to you. You know, you have control over your money. Someone else is not telling you what to do with it. Yeah, so good. So good. Well, while we're still talking about debt, I have another follow-up question that I just kind of thought of. Um, would you, what would you say about this idea of good debt? Is there any, is there such thing as good debt or is all debt a monster that we should run from? I'm on the camp. All debt is a monster. You should run from. <laughs> okay, everybody run um, away. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say a mortgage is the one type of debt I will not yell at you for. So, uh, <laughs> okay, good. You know, a conservative mortgage within reason. You know, that's it. I want you to pay it off quickly, mm-hmm. but. 
Mm -hmm. A mortgage is one type of debt. You know, I, when I look at those subjects, going to scripture is always helpful for me. And it's Mm -hmm. so interesting. Every time debt is mentioned in scripture, it is in a negative fashion. It's like, it's a curse on your family. It's a burden. The borrower is slave to the lender. You are a slave. Like every time it is Mm -hmm. mentioned, it is negative. Now, I'm not, I don't go as far as to say that debt is a sin. So if you have a credit card, you can still go to heaven. Like, it's fine. It's fine. But, um, but I do look at that and I'm like, okay, if every time God talks about it, that it's unwise, then like, okay, that's something to remember. So spiritually, yeah. I see that. I think emotionally, when you have debt and you have payments that you have to make, Mm -hmm. you owe someone something, something emotionally changes in you. Mm. And I think that that has to be said. I think financially, when you look at it, financially, mathematically, you're you're not able mathematically to keep the money you're earning because you're paying it back out to payments. And most of the time you're paying it out to things that you've already experienced, right? Mm -hmm. That vacation you already went on, that dinner you ate at, the movie you saw. It's like you're living your life in a rear view mirror. Mm -hmm. It's like you're paying for your past versus looking forward. Mm -hmm. And a car, oh, don't get me started, Jordan, on the car loans. (laughs) You're paying interest on something that's going down in value. So you have to look at it on scale, spiritually, emotionally, mathematically. It all points to this idea that it is not wise. Mm-hmm. Now, all these things are not bad. Vacations, movies, going mm-hmm. out to eat a nice car. These are not bad things. Mm-hmm. I want you to have some really cool stuff. Like, my whole theory is it's okay to have nice stuff. Mm-hmm. Just don't let your nice stuff have you. Mm-hmm. And it has you when it owns you. Right. And, and you have to be paying on it. Like, you don't, you can't afford it. And for a lot of our generation, and I'm a millennial, so I can I can group myself in this, but I'm like, we buy so much crap that we can't afford and we don't need. Yep. Like, you do not need, if you cannot afford it, you do not need a brand new car. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you do not need a brand new car. You can go get a great used, I would even say BMW, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can go get an awesome luxury brand, but it's 10 years old and it's running just fine. Or yep. like even a Honda Accord, like whatever it is. Like, you do not need that. You do not need that vacation. Would it be nice? Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. Right. Like, we all love vacation. But right now, if you can't pay for it, you do not need it. Mm-hmm. So like our needs and wants have become so intermingled that we mm-hmm. don't even know how to navigate it. And so you really have to look at the subject and it takes a level of maturity yeah. to say, okay, you know what? To be able to say, I don't have the money, so I'm not going to buy that. Yeah. That's a extremely mature person versus saying, well, this feels good. Children do what feels good. Adults devise a plan and they follow it. And they do what they they need to do. being very purposeful in it. Yes. (laughs) I said in adults, grownups, big girls, they do what they need to do, not always what they want to do. And that's something, you know, that can be so easy to say. And then in practice, you're like, ugh, I'm still doing a lot of things I just want to do. And I don't know if if you agree with this, but at least something I've observed is not only do we, are we in this kind of generation where a lot of our needs and wants are kind of intermingled. But I think there's almost this pressure to keep up with the Joneses in a different sense when it comes to like, you can look online and see what, you know, your what vacation your neighbor is going on or what, you know, your Uh, friend is doing. Or or here's for another example, what that influencer is doing. She's posting pictures in front of the Eiffel Tower. Like I got to go there. You know, it's like, that's no, (laughs) like, you know, I mean like that's almost creating this toxic view of like this curated content and stuff. I mean, it's just like, Oh, it's yeah. almost making it worse. And what we have to realize are <laughs> the Joneses that we're comparing our life to, they're broke. Yeah. I yeah. mean, 70% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing, 
you know, the trip to Paris, you're seeing the remodeled kitchen mm-hmm. with brand new granite countertops. Like mm-hmm. Joanna Gaines just walked in and like, yeah. this girl's kitchen. And you're like, how do you have that beautiful with kitchen? With Joanna Gaines Ferry. <laughs> what you're not seeing, yeah, is like the, the credit mm-hmm. card bills that come mm-hmm. after that vacation or that second mortgage they took out on their home to redo that kitchen. And, mm-hmm. and now like their marriage is stressed out and mm-hmm. someone's lost a job and like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have no idea. And so yeah. I would say not to have like, not to like put judgment on other people right, every time right. you see someone in Paris, that doesn't mean they took out credit card yet to go. But, but I think it is important just to remember, like you have to have the blinders on yeah. and that's in your career. That's in your money. Like wherever you are in life, like you have to have the blinders on and you have to decide this is what's best for me. Yep. And it's going to be really hard. And sometimes it's not going to be fun, mm-hmm. but the end result is that I think you grow up so much when you take control of your life and you're intentional, especially with your money. Mm-hmm. And then again, that end result is once you have that firm, solid foundation where you have no debt, you have cash in the bank when an emergency fund happens, suddenly that raise at work, you're like, oh, wow, I actually get to use this and I get to decide what do I want to do with it? Like, right. you know, the opportunity is just so much greater on the other side and the joy and not having that stress. It's just, it's remarkable. Yeah. I think the perspective is really important. Like understanding, you know, that person that you're envying from Facebook or from Instagram or whatever, whether it's, you know, someone that you follow and they're, you know, maybe they're quote unquote an influencer and that makes you feel, or a friend and you feel like, oh my gosh, I have to keep up or someone's granite countertop or whatever the thing is, depending on your season of life. I think too, things that are helpful what kind of one thing you pointed out is it really could be they have they're racking up credit card debt and they're not doing it smart and it's actually hurting them in the long run even though it looks super cool for that picture right so that's one one perspective and I think two other things that I want to offer up and feel free to let me know what you think but I would say also the ones who aren't you know, swimming in credit card debt as a result of it or whatever, they worked their booty off to be able to make that happen. Like, if they're actually doing totally. it right, please realize that they might be in a season two years ahead of you where they did what it took to get out of debt. They've done the entrepreneurial thing or worked their butt off to get that promotion or whatever the thing is. So this could be something that's kind of like a reward for that. And so I think what we can do is be like, oh, they're doing that and I want to do that, but I'm where they were two and a half years ago and I got work to do. Like we forget that, like there's a difference in journey points. So there's that piece. And the other thing I'd say is, you know, when you're seeing, you know, if that's more the everyday example, if you're seeing someone online that you follow or someone who seems to always travel to like the coolest locations and you're like, how do they do that? You know, they're getting paid to do that if they're constantly doing that. So like, it's not, it's not a normal situation. I think we can compare our everyday to what we're seeing and that we don't have any back-end context. And so I always encourage anyone who feels that like pressure to kind of keep up or feel like FOMO, you know, the fear of missing out. Like everyone seems to be doing all this cool stuff and I'm over here eating ramen, you know, (laughs) trying to pay off my debt. Uh, Just, I think, fill in the context, the bigger gaps of the story. Like, well, maybe they worked two and a half years and that's what I have to be focusing on right now. Like, you know, or whatever. That's right. Or they could be in credit card debt and I don't want that story in 10 years. Like that'll bite them in the butt. And I'm not here to judge them. But like, if that's the case, like there's all these possibles. And if you start, I think creating these what ifs in your mind, it kind of lowers the temptation and brings things back to earth and helps you focus and stay in your lane. Would you agree? Yes. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, all those examples is you constantly looking at other people and I think Mm -hmm. there's a level of discipline to be like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to focus on myself. I'm going to be happy for others. Yes. That are winning and that are killing it. And it's like, yeah, good for them. But like, 
so here's my journey. Here's what I have to focus on and staying the course because it can be exhausting. And I'm in that boat. Like, I totally get that when you're looking on Instagram or you're seeing all these people. Like, it, it's just exhausting. And mm-hmm. it, it, I think it sucks the life out of a lot of us. Yeah, so, oh, 100%. You know, I, I think, you know, making sure where your motivations and where you're spending your time to is going to be a huge influence on, on how well you progress uh, in so many areas of your life. You know, I was going to ask you, since we're talking about, you know, trying to pay off debt, that usually requires that we save some of our actual cash flow, right? Whatever cash flow is for us in our situation. Um, But I thought maybe it'd be helpful if you could share maybe one or two or maybe even three practical tips that someone who's like, I want to save more and I'm not entirely sure what the best starting point to be or what I should really be doing the first next step right now. Do you have any kind of one, two, three takeaways for that? Yeah, I would say, number one, budget. Mm -hmm. You have got to be very, very intentional where every single dollar is going. And we have an app called Every Dollar. It's a budgeting app. But I would say that's going to be the fastest way for you to be able to save intentionally to actually know where your money's going. And so with that, you get to say, okay, I want to save X amount this month. And then here's all my expenses. And you're just being very, very intentional and purposeful Mm -hmm. with every dollar of your income is going before the month begins. So that budget is going to be a huge help because most people say when they start budgeting, they feel like they got a raise. They Mm -hmm. end up finding so much extra money because they realize, oh, wow, I didn't realize how many trips to Target, which is like the black hole of goodness that you might just get lost in. Right. How many I take in and I, how much money I spend or all the Starbucks runs or all the dinner that was friends. Like you may not realize how much you're spending. And so suddenly when it's down and you have to be very um, specific with, okay, this is how much I'm spending each month. Suddenly a lot, usually most of the time there's some income freed up there. So that's a great place to start saving. It's just doing a budget. Um, I would also say have a separate savings account and this can be just a traditional savings account in your bank. This could be a money market account and this is different than investing. Okay. So saving to me is five years or less. Investing is for five years or more. So this is, so just to save in the short term, put some money in a separate account because if it's in your checking account and you're marking this number for, oh, this is my savings. And suddenly like that vacation that you've been wanting, that road trip with your friends, you're like, oh, well, I suddenly have this money in my account. You're like, no, 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 that's for saving. So like actually physically separate your money. Mm -hmm. uh, And that really helps with saving and then have a goal. Mm -hmm. Like what are you saving towards? And I think having a dollar amount is key, whether it's a specific amount you want to spend on a car or a vacation or an emergency fund or a down Mm -hmm. payment on a house, like whatever you're saving for, have that dollar amount. Cause it's easy to back up the math and say, okay, if I'm saving a thousand dollars a month and I need, you know, ten thousand dollars, it's going to take me ten months. You know, like you're right. able to back it out and say, okay, here's here's what I'm doing. Mm. Um, so yeah, those are always, um, yeah, again, practical, more tangible things to do to save. Um, but also, like what you should be saving for, right. I would say important things are that emergency fund, so that thousand dollars, and then once you're completely debt free, bump up that starter emergency fund to three to six months of expenses. Mm-hmm. So whatever your life is after you've budgeted and all that, and you say, okay, this is the amount of money it takes for me to live on. This is my lifestyle. This is my budget. Then just multiply that by three, by four, by five, or six. So whatever that range is for you that's comfortable at three to six months of expenses. So I would do that. Uh, and I would also save, you know, uh, for things you want. We've kind of said this already, but it's true. Like whatever you're wanting in life, if you don't have the cash for it now, mm-hmm. start saving towards it, whatever purchase that is, whether it's a 
jacket from J. Crew that's a hundred bucks, or it's mm-hmm. a it's a trip or whatever it is. Like find that item, and if you don't have the money, then work towards saving for it. That's good. I have a personal question, <laughs> and yeah. everyone's gonna yes. get to Bring hear it. On, um, what is your take on saving with online banking, such as something like Ally or something like that? And the reason I ask is because that's something we've been researching a bit because there's not the yeah. overhead and the interest rates are so much better, like versus something like a you know Chase or not to cut down Chase, but you know something like that where it's a brick and mortar building yep. and there's they have less overhead expenses so they can offer higher interest rates. And so we've really been researching looking into like Ally or something like that. I know American Express is another one with great rates, but what's your take on that? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I love it. We actually have Ally. Okay. Well, <laughs> so husband, so I so, I'm calling my husband after yeah, this call and saying, yeah. go for it. <laughs> so I like, um, yes, yeah. So I like uh, local banks mm-hmm. or like regional banks for your checking. Mm-hmm. So I like to have a brick and mortar for my like daily expenses, my checking. So if I have to go in for something like they're there. Mm-hmm. So for my just checking, we have just like we use just a bank in Tennessee that we have. Mm-hmm. So that, but um, but our money market account, which is just, a fancier savings account, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, is actually through Ally. So okay. that's where our, um, yep, where our money market account is. So we have our emergency funds in Ally. Hey, I'm not like a spokesman for Ally. <laughs> we happen to use it. <laughs> no, um, it's great. And then, yeah, yeah, and then another savings account, you know, for um, like short-term purchases that we're going to make, we have that in Ally as well. So you're right. You're going to get a little bit higher of an interest rate. Um, I think it is important to point out that that emergency fund, if you're a math nerd listening, you're thinking, oh, wow, that's a lot of money to be sitting there and not making a ton, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you have it in just a savings account or money market account. But you have to look at that emergency fund specifically as insurance. Yeah. It's not an investment. Mm-hmm. So it's there for you if you want it. And you want to keep it liquid, which means you can get to it right away mm-hmm. versus it being tied up in stocks or something like that. So so that three to six months of expenses, a money market account, just like we're talking about, like an ally or somewhere else, even your local bank could have one. But put it in there so you can get to it quickly if you need it. It is not an investment. You have to look at it as insurance. No, that's good. And honestly, when the when the money girl tells you that Ally's good, I'm good with it. We'll be doing that because we've been thinking about that. So thank you for that. I'm just giving you permission. <laughs> yeah, seriously, that's awesome. Um, speaking on saving too, would you? What would you say on saving for retirement? Like, when should we start doing that? Is that something that's like do that the second you start earning earning income, the second you pay off your debt? Do you have a certain you know? ideal starting point to really make that a priority the second you get a job what would what would be your if someone hasn't been doing it and they've been you know working for five years just what's your take on that yep yes uh i love retirement savings because saving for retirement because you're gonna get so much bang for your buck i mean if you just you know math i think we probably did it in the eighth grade but compound interest like right like you see how much money your money can make so it is a beautiful thing but I want you to be ready for it. So you are ready to start investing into retirement after you're completely out of debt. Everything but a house. If you have a mortgage, you don't have to count that. But okay. everything else, you're out of debt. And you have that fully funded emergency fund of three to six months of expenses. So once you have that, then start retirement investing. And so these are going to be things, if you have a job, I'm sure possibly a benefit is that your company offers like a 401k or if you work at a nonprofit or a hospital or a school, then it's going to be a 403B. And those are things that basically it's a, it's a, a, you know, a retirement account that you put money in. And most of the time you get a match, which means say you put 3% in, they'll match you 3% or 2% or whatever it is. So that's a huge benefit that a lot of places offer. So take advantage of that. And then also open up a Roth IRA. 
and this is another type of account. So mm-hmm. there's a certain limit of how much you can put into this, but I max that out every year if you're able to. And what I would say about all of that, the 401k, Roth IRA, if you're at this point that you can start investing into retirement, I really recommend sitting down with an investment professional. So someone who does this day in and day out. And if you need someone, just go to DaveRamsey.com, and we have Smart Investor Pros is what they're called. So you can click on that, type in your zip code, and someone in your area will come up. Hmm. And you want to find someone that that really, they have a heart of a teacher, not the heart of a salesman. Mm-hmm. So someone that's willing to sit down. Because investing, I mean, even when I said Roth IRA, some of you are like, all right, I'm out of this broadcast. <laughs> like, yeah, what? Yeah, like, yeah. It, it is. It's a very confusing and very intimidating subject. But mm-hmm. I'm telling you, if you're there and say, you're just like Jordan, right? You had your college pay for scholarships. You have some money saved. You're like, okay, I'm ready to start. But I'm 23 mm-hmm. and I feel dumb because I don't know. Right. Find someone, again, investment professional that is kind and that is willing to teach you. Like, I want you to understand what you're putting your money in so much so that when you walk out of that office, you could explain it to someone on the street. Like, it has to be in such layman's terms for you to understand because it's not that hard. Once you really start, once you start getting a few of these things, like, you're like, okay, I kind of understand it now. Um, But really understand it. Never put your money in something you don't understand. And I feel like that there's a lot of people that are like, oh, yeah, my... You know, my boyfriend's uh, uncle does this cool thing, you know, here, give me $500 and we'll put it in and it's going to grow to $5 million. You know, like, and there's yeah. all these, like, like hopes and almost scam type things out there. So just be conservative. That's mm-hmm. another thing. Wealthy people, people that have become millionaires, in fact, are eight, eight out of ten of them are first-generation rich. And the way they were able to build wealth was they invested in their 401k, just like we're talking about, and they've paid off their house. They own their home, which means they have no payments and they're able to invest more. Mm. So, like, it's boring, not exciting stuff, but it works. Yeah. So, again, this whole idea of investing, it's it's huge and it can change your life, but I want you to do it in the right way and be wise about it. Uh, that's so helpful. <laughs> I love the, the order because... <laughs> I think what can be intimidating, first of all, I laugh because when I was in college, my summer internships were working in investment banking at a local bank and, or not investment banking, investments. So I was under like a financial advisor and I got to like learn all about Roth IRAs and mutual funds. And I was like, oh, I'm a pro at this coming out of college. And honestly, I've forgotten half of it. So I'm like, okay, I need a crash course on this again. It'll probably come back to me, but I knew that wasn't what I was going to do with my life. So I only kind of half paid attention. Um, but anyways, um, I'll just admit that. But I will say the order of that is super helpful knowing like, okay, get the debt first, then the then the emergency yep. fund, then do the in, the retirement. Because sometimes, I mean, even me as someone in my twenties, like I hear Roth IRA savings, retirement savings, debt payoff, da 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 da, you know, mortgage, and you're like, oh my gosh, all my money's gonna like go everywhere, and I'm confused, you know. So kind of that totally, step one, totally. step two, like once you get this, then go to this, and there's small wins within each one of those buckets, like the debt payoff bucket, and then the building the emergency fund bucket, and then you know starting the retirement focus. So I think the pre- pressure to try to do it all at once is off now. And that's relieving for me because we're still learning as we go. And also I'm sure for so many listening. So thanks for kind of mapping that out. I think that's really, really valuable and really helpful. Um, But I was going to ask you, I have just a couple more questions for you. I honestly could sit here and learn from you all day. This is amazing. Um, 
But I'm curious. I, I, I saw that you have a video on this, but I want to ask because I want listeners to be able to hear, and I'll be happy to link the video in the show notes too if that is correct. I'm pretty sure there is a video. But how would you say you balance shopping and saving money? What would be your thoughts, tips, insight, personal experience with that? Oh, yes. Um, we're talking to a girl that loves, I love a good pair of shoes. <laughs> I love to shop. So um, I would say the freedom that comes with being able to go and spend and enjoy, whether it's shopping or going out to a great dinner with your friends, like whatever it is, is that you have the money for it. And mm-hmm. so, again, it kind of goes back to the budget. But every month I have, we, my husband and I together, we, ha- we do a budget and I have a certain category for me, specifically clothes. I'm like, okay, and here's the amount of money I have to spend on clothes. Mm. And I'm able to go out. And because of that, it sounds kind of rigid and almost boring, in fact, because I naturally, I am a spender. Like, usually you're a saver or a spender. Mm-hmm. And naturally, I'm a spender. And naturally, I'm a free spirit. Like, I, the whole idea of a budget to me, always growing up, was like, oh, it's Same. like so... <laughs> Out of my strength, so yes, like, I'm not yeah. good at it. I'm not great at details. Uh, where some people listen to you are like, oh, no, a budget, Excel. I can open up my Excel right now, and I can do my own budget. Yeah. Like, some people thrive on it, and I just did it. I never have, and after Winston and I got married, my husband, we did our first budget, like, gosh, probably six months into marriage. So, like, mm-hmm. we didn't budget at all together, even though I was told over and over again, you have to budget. You have to budget together. We didn't do a budget at all. We were like, oh, whatever, it's fine. And then uh, I remember a few months later, Winston was like, babe, we've got to sit down and do this budget because we were only living on his income at the time. And we're like, he's like, I have to figure out where all of our money's going. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, fine. You're one mm-hmm. of those people, but fine, <laughs> I get it. And, and I'll tell you, it took me, gosh, I, I would say about three months, about 90 days, that we got the budget to work that I actually started to understand the freedom that comes with it. Because for so long, I thought a budget was restrictive. I thought a budget was uh, cheap. You know, I always mm-hmm. felt like people were like, oh, I can't go on vacation. I'm on a budget. Mm-hmm. Or we can't we can't go shopping. We're on a budget. I'm like, mm-hmm. people on budgets are not fun people. Yeah. <laughs> I like, remember it when I was a kid. A budget, like, I'm like, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yes, go ahead. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Yeah. So, uh, but, but I'll tell you though. After doing it for a few months, my my the gear in my head switched because I was like, "Wow, a budget does not limit your freedom. A budget gives you freedom. Uh-huh. Like it gives you permission to spend money, and that is the way I've looked at a budget for so long now. And that's what it is. So, as a spender, mm-hmm. as someone who loves to go shopping, I feel like I'm able to do it all because I know. Okay, we're saving for X coming up. So mm-hmm. here's here's what we're saving for. We have that taken care of this month. This is taken care of. Good, good, good. Like our bases are covered and there's maybe some extra money. And okay, I get to allot that to whatever we want to. Do we want to have a bigger date night? We can put that in the restaurant category. Or maybe mm-hmm. I want to go shopping more. We can put that in the clothes category. Like it just completely details out your financial life where you have control. And I'm telling you, once you have that, then you're able to go into Target and be like, hey, I have X amount I get to spend. And there's no guilt. Like, you're not at the mm-hmm. register being like, oh, mm-hmm. should I have gotten that? Like, yeah. oh, God, like, maybe that should have gone to rent. Like, oh, yeah. like, all of those questions are completely answered because the boxes have been checked and you've planned for it. And being able to do that, it's so much more fun. Yeah. <laughs> In my opinion, I'm like, oh, it's so much more freeing and enjoyable. And when it's actually your money you're spending versus like a credit card, you actually end up spending less. Yeah. And a lot of the time, if you're saving up for something, 
um, you know, you actually may go to the store and be like, do I really want that? Or mm-hmm. I'm going to wait till it goes on sale. Like you, you have these checkpoints in your, in your emotions and in your mind versus just flippantly just spending all the time. And so, yeah, that's my big balance. It goes back to that budget, but it allows me to have the freedom and the permission to spend because I've been intentional about it. That's good. Yeah. It's almost honestly, discipline does lead to freedom. And I think we often think it feels so restricting, but budgeting is honestly a financial discipline. And I'm the same way as you. My husband not too long ago was like, all right, we've kind of had this, you know how you can have a general, I think there's two kinds of budgets people have. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel, at least from my personal experience, there are people who have a kind of mental general budget of like, this is what we make every month. So this is about what I'm going to be able to spend every month. And it's like kind of understood, but there's not like to the dollar, hard numbers, black and white, both on the same page. So then somebody at some point's like, hey, why'd you just spend $200 at Target? It's like, cause the money's there, you know? And it's like, but is that in an actual budget? Is there really a purpose for that? Have we talked? Like, then that creates tension. But, you know, it's not that you don't have any kind of budget in mind. It's just still a little bit unclear in general. And I think that's how a lot of people budget. It, unless, maybe not. Maybe people don't. Maybe that's just me. And I'm just, I'm just a weirdo. No, no. But I felt like for the first year and a half or maybe even, maybe even to the second anniversary, like that was kind of how we were budgeting. At the beginning, we had this general idea. We knew this is what we were, you know, what was coming in every month. And so we kind of just operate accordingly. But then what happened was, you know, we weren't completely communicating. We didn't have like a home-based document to come back to. And so we started to go, hang on, we're both thinking that like, oh, we have this amount of money to spend, but we forgot there was two of us. And then we started to go, where's all our money going and who's doing what? And so there was a general guideline, but there wasn't really a budget, but we thought we had a budget. And so we finally, you know, he's like, we need to sit down and he's really good at that kind of thing. And I remember just feeling like it was so boring and so necessary, but he'd go, well, what did we spend on this last month? I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, look it up. I'm like, I don't, do I really have to? You know, like it's such a, the the (laughs) discipline of sitting down and doing it is the hardest part. And even the beginning implementation, but I almost look at it like now, it's starting to really churn easily. It's, it's like, oh, we're speaking the same language now. Like, okay, now I'm seeing the freedom yes. of it. Now I'm seeing the understanding of it. And I think of it just like like losing weight or gaining weight, if that's something that needs to happen, or training for a marathon. Like, anything like that, It's it always sucks the first three, the first three days of training, right? The first week of training. Like, you want to yeah. stop on the side of the road and hurl, and your legs hurt, and you're like, why am I doing this to myself, you know? Um, but then you get over that hump, you get over that initial starter period, and then it becomes like you get into a rhythm, you get into a routine, you know, the, the fresh air is on your face as you're jogging or whatever. And it's like, at the end, you feel good, you feel better, you feel healthier, you feel stronger. And I think the same thing can be said to our financial health. And it's just not something we speak of in that way enough, because it requires those very specific disciplines. And it's just not something that comes natural to me either. So that makes me feel better to know it doesn't come natural to you either. I'm like, you're probably like so much better than I am, but that's awesome super helpful. Yeah, it's, um, been a ha- it's been a habit that I've had to create for sure. Yeah, and that's, I think part of it is a habit that you have to create. Like, we don't all just have these fantastic habits that we just wake up with one day and we're like a rock star budgeter, you know? Um, and I think yes. understanding that even about some of the best financial minds, I mean, someone like you working with Ramsey, being raised with that, you know, like it still can be something that your own resistance fights against. And identifying that, acknowledging that, understanding that, and not guilting yourself for it, just figuring out what small incremental changes do I need to make, you know, to to up my ante to be more intentional about building these habits. That's like how it's done. You know, I don't think anyone's just like the money money fairy, you know, Um, but with that. Yeah. And with, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. 
I want to say real quick, with budgeting specifically, again, if you've never done a budget before, like, give yourself those three months because it's going to, you're going to yeah. have some kinks in it. You're not going to know, oh, this is really what I spend. I thought it was this. And so give yourself a lot of grace those first three months. And then after three months, you're going to really get a, a, you know, this, you're going to get a good idea of, okay, this is my budget. And for mm-hmm. most of it, 90% of your budget is not going to change month to month. It's going to be your standard, you know, your rent or mortgage or electricity. Like things are going to be pretty similar month to month. There may be some things that change. Like if you have, you know, you're throwing a, a wedding shower or you're going on vacation, like mm-hmm. there will be things that change. But Winston and I, like our budget, we do it every month before the month begins. And, doing it, making it visual, like we talked about. Having a budget in your head is not a good idea, like you were saying. Like, mm-hmm. Have it visual where you can see the numbers. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it, again, our budget, when we talk about it every month, it takes maybe five minutes because mm-hmm. like, the majority of the categories are the exact same. Like, right. It's just a check-in. The same on gas probably. Like, Yeah, there may be a few that change, but overall, it'll, it gets, so I would say it gets easier. I just really encourage you out there. Once you start doing it, I promise it gets easier. That's good. I would agree with that. And I think I've experienced that a lot recently. So just an encouragement to everyone out there. And I think the last thing that I want to touch on now that we talked a little bit about how you and your husband budget and Matt and I and our resistance to budgeting and all of that, um, I think it leads to a really um, important question. It's actually one that I get quite often. I've been married a few years now. I have a lot of gals that listen in that are about to get married or they're dating seriously and about to get engaged or they've been married a few years. Um, and with that, I think a recurring question that comes up with is, you know, um, what are thoughts on merging bank accounts with your spouse? Like, should you have all your bank accounts merged? I know some people like to have their own, like, account to, quote-unquote, gift them things. Like, what what's your suggestion on that practice? Do you have one? Is there a one-size-fits-all, or are there a few options based off the relationship dynamic? What's your, what, what's your take on that? Yes. Um, my overall thought is 100% of the time, you need to have the same bank account. Mm-hmm. You need to have the same savings account. Now, your retirement, like we were talking about earlier, that'll be separate, obviously, because of you know your job and all that. But when it comes to your checking accounts and your primary, where you guys spend money, it it has to be the same. And that's for multiple reasons, okay? One of them being kind of not to be fear-based, but money fights and money problems, it's a, it's a major issue for couples. It's actually one of the mm-hmm. leading causes of divorce in America because people cannot get on the same page. And when you have separate accounts, you are running in two separate lanes. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the other is doing. And when I talk to couples, you know, they're like, well, he pays this bill and I pay that bill. And I'm like, are you roommates? Like, <laughs> right, no, right. this is your husband. Like, right. And when the pastor says you are one, you are one in every area of your life, mm-hmm. including your money. Mm-hmm. And so when you merge that account, it may feel very, uh, you may be nervous about it. You might be vulnerable. It might show like, oh, I don't want him to know how much I spend on X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But all of that, you have to be transparent. And the best way to do that is that you have one account and you're working on it together. Mm-hmm. And that also means you have to change your pronouns. Like it's not his money and my money. Mm-hmm. It's our money. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend Chris Hogan says we need to be more French. We we together. It's it's Good. ours, and so that means you know maybe you've just had a new baby and you're not going back to work. Well, your husband's mm-hmm. money when he makes money at work and it hits that bank account, it is it is both of your money. It is yeah. our money. I don't care who brings it in. Mm-hmm. It is our money together and working together and doing a budget together, like what we were just talking about. It's amazing because it forces communication. Yeah. And suddenly you get to see, okay, wow. You know, usually the husband's the one that's like, 
whoa, how much do we spend at the grocery? And you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is how much it takes to buy all that protein. You know, yeah. you're wanting to buy. You're like, whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, it forces you to see all of these things. And so what ends up happening, though, is you're not just agreeing on your money. You're agreeing on your goals in life. Mm-hmm. You're agreeing on your dreams. You're agreeing on your fears. You're walking the same path with your spouse versus running on two different tracks. And so not only is it a convenience to have one bank account because you're working out of the same you know, physical money, but the emotional and relational side, the unity that's created, the intimacy that is found when you work together on this subject is phenomenal. And so it just, it makes me so sad couples that run on these two different lanes. And I hear, you know, the whole thing of like, well, what about if I want to buy them a gift? I'm like, well, that's great. You get to go and say, hey, I'm going to, you know, we're going to budget and I'm going to, you know, give me $200 because I want to go buy you an awesome gift Mm -hmm. or whatever the amount is. Go and either, you know, Buy a Visa gift card and use that online if you need to. Like, like you can find creative ways around that. That's Mm -hmm. one of my big pushbacks. I'm like, okay, but let's be honest. We only buy gifts like two or three times a year, if that. Like, Winston and I have been married almost 10 years. I'm like, we totally didn't even, we don't even buy Christmas gifts for each other anymore. Like, I promise, like, you can find ways around it. I bought them tickets to a concert one time and I had my mom pay for it and I wrote her a check and paid it back and I was like, don't cash this check until, you know, until after his birthday when he gets the ticket. So, like, you can find creative ways around this, but the overarching principle for your marriage, for you, is to work together. Now, don't do this until you're married. So yeah. if you are dating out there, you guys, or you're engaged, don't pay on his debt. Mm-hmm. Like Everything is separate. Mm-hmm. All finances are separate until you say, I do. Mm-hmm. And you put the ring on the finger, then moving forward, it's together. And then my only very small caveat, which is not towards a lot of people, thankfully, but some, if your spouse... You know, if they've had addiction problems mm-hmm. or they're in, um, there's been like, you know, what they call financial infidelity now, like they've had secret credit cards you didn't know about. Like, mm-hmm. if there's been problems in that, then yes, it, it could be smart for a period of time to mm-hmm. separate the money to keep yourself safe. Um, but that's a, that's a pretty small, small portion. Mm-hmm. Um, but those of you out there functioning work together and it's amazing. Like, it can stir up some conflict at first, mm-hmm. um, but it's good. Like, yeah. getting all of that out in the open and working together as a team is, it's so crucial. And I think about Winston and I, and I'm like, I can't even imagine if he had this account over on the side that I'm like, am I not allowed to look in the account? Like, right. just, what are you it's hiding? strange for yeah. like being open. Yeah. Like being able to be open and to work together tactically and emotionally out of that account is, is so, so crucial. I would totally agree. And I think I found even, you know, after getting married and merging all this and looking at it together, we have slightly different spending habits. We look at money a little bit differently. We realize we had different kind of perspectives coming in and certain areas of life. I have very much abundance mentality and other areas I'm very scarcity mentality and the vice versa for my husband. So it's funny how we compliment each other. But I found like yes. there, it provided so much accountability too. You know, it's not like a, I'm watching you and I'm, you know, slapping your hand when you make a purchase I don't agree with or, you know, but it almost like it's, it's kind it's not a, it's not a gatekeeper to where like you have to totally get like completely permission every single time, you know, you want to stop for coffee or something, but it's almost kind of like, it makes you, um, think twice about like, well, someone else is going to see this purchase. And so if I had to answer as to why I think it's important, what would I say? And what would that do for our marriage? What would that do for our long-term goals? Like it just kind of gives you this like a little bit of a buffer to gauge all of your decisions against. And I think that's just wise, you know, and if you have a spouse, that's like your built-in accountability buddy. What more could you need? It can be your built-in workout buddy. It can be a built-in, you know, financial, you know, accountability buddy. Like use that. That's a resource. That's a gift. That's a blessing. So I love that you said that. I 100% agree. Last two brief, quick questions that I think it'll just be a great way to end and give a little bit of um, something to grab onto. 
First thing, rapid fire, what would you say are the best apps for tracking money coming in and out of the bank account? Are there any? Um, I would say number one, every dollar, the budgeting app. Download it today. There's a free version. Do it right now. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to be able to, to track your money. And then I'd also say any kind of uh, whatever, wherever you're banking, have the banking app. Yeah. It's so funny how many people don't check their checking account. And then they're like, shit, there's $2.67. Yes, yes, have that um, that app on your phone. So those are my, yeah, for sure, my my big ones. Perfect. And then last but not least, what is your best tip for having a healthy relationship with money? I would say that you have to have hope. Mm -hmm. You have to have hope that your situation can be different, it can be better. And a lot of people possibly listening you know, you have student loan debts, maybe you're in a job that you don't like and, you know, you feel like the bills are piling on, you don't know where to start, you want a budget but you don't know, and it's kind of like this fogginess um, that a lot of people feel around money, a lot of stress um, and a lot of regrets. And mm-hmm. so I would say look forward, look toward the future, devise a plan like we were talking about, start budgeting, get that emergency fund, start paying off debt, walk the plan, and when you start doing that and you start making progress, you start to see the lights and you start to gain hope again. And so that's my, that's, that's always my prayer for people that you have hope in this area of life that can be so hopeless for others. Mm. Um, but you can do it no matter how much that you have, no matter what your income is, what stage of life you have, you're in, you can win financially. You can do this because it's not just good for you to win for yourself and your family, but for others, like you're doing a lot of this to be able to be incredibly generous and to be an incredible giver and change other people's lives. Mm. That's good. I just feel encouraged and challenged all at once. And I think that's the best spot to be. Rachel, thank you so, so much for joining us and for just speaking so much life and also hard truth and wisdom and accountability and everything into me. Honestly, if no one else takes anything away from this, I did. But I know that every listener is going to find some nuggets in this, really be able to apply this to their life and take really positive steps forward to take steps towards lasting change. So really, really grateful for you. Can you just tell everyone where they can find you? find more resources on this if they're wanting to take some next steps or learn more from you, you know, outside of just this episode, where can they find you and access all that you have to share? Yes. Yeah. You can go to rachelcruz.com. I have a show, the Rachel Cruz show on YouTube and Facebook. You can check that out. I have a podcast actually launching, uh, in uh, the, in the January. Oh, so you yay. can check that out That's as well. Awesome. Yes. I know. I'm so excited about it. Um, and I'm on Instagram and all social media. So yeah, kind of everywhere. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being with us today. We're so grateful for you. And I'm going to, guys, everyone listening, we're going to link all of Rachel's stuff in the show notes. So feel free to go check her out. You won't regret it. If you liked today's episode, would you consider leaving a review in the podcast app or wherever you listen? If this show has helped you grow into the she you were made to be at all, taking 0.3 seconds to leave a review would mean the world. This helps the show grow so I can keep researching, creating, and providing new content to help you make your life better every single week. If you leave a review, be sure to share a screenshot of it on your Instagram story and tag me so that I can personally thank you. Thanks so much, sister friend. You are the best. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. This show is a part of the Lasting Media Network and produced by John Fender, Jason Barrett, and Jonas Litton. Visit lastingmediagroup.com to learn more.
Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.